And so before we continue to submerge into the great mystery of our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of these mysteries is the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the things I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms. And so that we, as the participants of the body of Christ, share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth that we have put into our heart by being instructed in the faith, revealing what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4.22-24 through 24, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the Spirit of your mind and that you put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. This place of scripture identifies our fundamental calling which consists of us casting off of ourselves our old man, renewing our mind with the spirit of our mind and then begin the process of clothing our body into the new person. This is an incredible calling, and as soon as it is revealed to a child of God, this person becomes the most joyful on earth. He doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. He doesn't need to justify himself with the works of the law, which are for many people. They say, well, we're under grace. We practice spiritual gifts, evangelism, good work, rebuking of demons, but this is for them as law. They justify themselves with that. They justify themselves with the work of the law and the grace of God that is given to them to help them. They uh, use it in vain. They become idol worshippers. When we begin to seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit instead of the giver, anointing instead of the anointer, we always fall into idol worshiping. This commanding order contains the true calling of every person of every person that follows Christ. According to Scripture, if a person does not fulfill this commandment, then he resists Christ, and the given person is membered to the category of antichrists or haters of Christ. To fulfill this given commandment, we explain, or which explains our primary calling, we see three destiny-affecting, commanding, and fundamental acts that we must do. Put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically, specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or more specifically, and it will depend on us whether we be vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. More specifically, will the achieving of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our names being blotted out of the book of life? Because we have not invested the silver of our salvation so we can receive it as a profit, as something of our own. In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two demands and stopped to study the third demand. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the power of our 
our already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God and Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we already studied a series of parables, events, and symbols where we became familiar with the conditions that, when fulfilled, would allow us, by using the name of God, El Elyon, or God Most High, to destroy the stronghold of death within our body, that is, governing in its sin, which identifies the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that we can forever thrust him out from within our body with noise into hell, and after that erect the kingdom of heaven, which is the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and we stop to study the next condition which consists in the 18th psalm of david where the holy spirit with the wisdom and the authority that he alone has reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of god el elyon or god most high to be delivered from the enemies in our body the essence of this condition consists in this that in the circumstances of our hardship when we are putting off the old man with his deeds, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, saying, who God is for us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what conditions do we need to fulfill to inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ. We have noted that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and God Most High and their violent conflict with the carnal mind in the form of King Saul and governing sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. And that by the means of confessing the faith of our heart, proclaiming who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ, God can receive the proper foundation he needs to join the battle for our earthly body, so he can shame the governing within our body's sin, which is the old person by the power of his redemption, and with noise forever thrust him out into hell. In its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts, where we see demonstrated an example of the character of legitimate prayer that belongs to kings, priests, and prophets. That pray, they take prayer words, they take the words from the Bible, from the prophets, from the law, from the Psalms, and they pray those words. But the words that are written in the laws, prophets, and Psalms are words that came out of the mouth of God. What is prayer? Prayer is the word of God that came out of the mouth of God that pursues God's will, where God wants to uh, adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. This is his desire, and this needs to be our calling because this is is the will of our Heavenly Father. This is His perfect will. This is His final purpose, His goal. This is why He created Adam, so that Adam can become His home, where he can live uh, in Him. He wanted to live. He li created for Himself a living body, but this body needed to experience, uh, needed to go through a process, because uh, Adam was a carnal man, and so he, he God needed to and come into Adam so that his body can become in a new form and different. And with the spirit, he needed to be born from God because he was created. He wasn't yet born, but he needed to be born from the spirit. And Adam needed to be born again so that he can 
so that his different spirit that is not created but born would be able to renew his mind and then by the means of his, of his renewed mind he can clothe his body into a he- its heavenly essence so that God can live in there that is why God created Adam and all of his descendants not all descendants are in accordance to Adam because Adam is Adam was born again anyone who believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God for God to clothe him into uh, garments of skin if you remember this is testimony that Jesus died for our sins he killed the animal and then put those skins of those animals upon them and they were not uh, that they were perfectly to their sides or whatever it was literally as the torn off skin that's still bloody he put them into this clothing so into these skins so that and Adam agreed because God gave him understanding of what he needs to do to return to the into the favor of the father he was thrown out of the Garden of Eden he was turned away from God, God offended, uh, was offended by what he did and God saw his desire to return and he allowed him to through Christ. He revealed to him who the Son of God is and symbolically in this animal he justified him, he was born again. And so Judaism, the faith teaching, is the teaching of faith of being born from God and so Jews called themselves children of God those who did not follow the teaching of Judaism they didn't call themselves children of God they called this uh, those who didn't follow Judaism they uh, called it as if this was blasphemy this was not true this was not accurate and so if you remember uh, one of the uh, Pharisees who secretly had come to to Jesus, Nicodemus, and he had asked him questions about being born again. And he as a teach, uh, teacher of Israel needed to know if, that if you won't be born from water and spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven, which is salvation. Don't confuse that salvation is one thing, the kingdom of heaven is something separate. Salvation is the kingdom of heaven because when you enter that's where the kingdom of heaven is when you enter into salvation what is in salvation is the kingdom there's the throne in this king and this kingdom is there and from there the holy spirit uh, governs a person inside until a person receives the holy spirit as the lord and master of his life there's no throne from which the holy spirit can govern inside and he has then no opportunity or ability to be led by the holy spirit and his sonhood is then under question or in question because only those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. It is written, and those that are not able to be led by the Holy Spirit, their sonhood is questioned because you need to invest the guarantee, your silver of justification, uh, so that you could receive your justification as something real, as something of your own. And so the first part of this psalm, as we know, identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. 
The kind of heart you have is the kind of prayer you will have. The second part opens up the consistency of the legitimate prayer itself. How is our offering to be so that it can prompt God's favor? Prayer is a sacrifice and offering, and this prayer needs to be uh, in accordance to a king, priest, and prophet, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David and us from the hands of all of our enemies. And when we talk about our enemies, always keep in mind that it's referring to those uncircumcised Philistines, the uh, unclean thoughts, corrupt desires, and passions, will, that are constantly coming from all directions because we are surrounded by these images. There's there's a, a, a insane as were uh, attack going on and we need to learn to close our ears close our eyes become deaf and blind as the son of god so that we can see what god is doing and hear what god is saying as soon as you open your ear and your eyes and start looking at other things you will immediately become deaf and will not hear what God will say and you will not see what God is doing you will sit in the church you will listen to the word and you will leave and you'll be empty why because you came from the expanses of the internet you listen to a lot of different other preachers all kinds of ideas and if that's not enough you listen to such news and that you believe a lot of these uh, rumors that are placed on the internet, the the false information. For the most part, uh, mass media is false. Only the ability and understanding to separate the grain from the chaff because every uh, reporter, uh, he's being paid and the one who pays him, he dances to and he reports to to please that, that, that payer, the one paying him, so the one who's hired him, and so the same information can be presented in different forms. You can present it in a terrible form and, and or in a wonderful form. The third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. In a particular format, as much as God has allowed, and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied the first part and stopped to study the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. So if you pay attention, the consistency of legitimate prayer in the names of God, we need to pray using God's names in our prayers, because in these names are God's promises and specific power that is called to destroy the stronghold of death in our body and erect the stronghold of life in our body and clothe us into the resurrection of Christ. Specifically, you need to pray these eight names with which David prayed. And so getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so he can be saved from his enemies. To love the Lord is to uh, very, very... uh, 
gladly, voluntarily and gladly fulfill his commandments with a desire. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with the right foundation that he needed to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names to battle against the enemies of David. So our confessions, the confessions of the faith of God that is in our heart gives us the proper basis to take these words, give him, gives him the proper basis to take these words and clothe us into the power of these names and as they come out of our mouth as God's faith. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord, God wants that we pray that God is our strength and that we say to God that we have loved him as our strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. The Lord, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. You are my fortress, my deliverer, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And so, the sequence in which these are in doesn't really uh, have a lot of uh, significance. You can uh, pray these names in any order. Don't depend on the uh, sequence in which they're listed in the in the psalm. These eight names, they're presented uh, the way they are, but they are all united as if there are eight separate components making up one glass of something. And now you can't uh, determine what exactly is in there because they're all mixed together. There are sequences, but not in this case. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed and the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of four names of God, the virtue of the names, strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer and stop to study our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the name of God, rock of Israel. Considering that the given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the name eight names of God Most High identify the inheritance that is contained in the covenant made between God and man. The covenant contains our unsearchable inheritance. In its significance, this nature of prayer is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of warriors in prayer, ones that have the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly body. If a person has not or does not possess the status of a king, priest, or prophet, he can't be called a warrior in prayer. His offering will not be acceptable to God because it is brought not from the right altar. The virtue of a king, priest, and prophet is the altar. And from that altar, from the position of these virtues, you can then present your prayer. And so the state of our heart is the altar. The state of our heart identifies the goals of God. Pursuing God's goals, we begin to take words of prayer, prayer words, and we gather them in the form that these words pursue God's goals that are in us. The state of our heart is the kind of prayer we'll have. Sometimes a prayer suddenly is correct because a carnal person saw an accurate prayer, took hold of that prayer. The state of his heart is not according to 
uh, a king, priest, and prophet. And so God accounts these words to him as idle words, as sin, as a sinful thing. Why? Because he dared to confess what is not in his heart, but only what is in Scripture. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, his calling is his mortal body in the status of a king, priest, and prophet so that he can change it into the virtue of a heavenly body, then this revelation that is purposed for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. Therefore, the quality and lexicon identifying the name of God, Living Rock, as with the previous names of God Most High, is not able to be found in any existing dictionary of the world. Living Rock, the definition of Living Rock, is sharp end or edge of a cliff, stone, a stone defense, a living covering or shadow of a cliff, bearing victory over the enemy elephant tusk, elephant ivory, representing eternal government, a living rock that represents eternal government, a living rock containing the promise of imperishable food, and a living rock serving as comfort of peace. In the name of God, rock, we are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase our profits that are received from the invested silver of salvation that we have turned so that we can profit, which consists in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ and is the component of the promise of imperishable food. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man relating to clothing our mortal body into the pearl nacre of immortality, it becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. And I say this, I remind us that for the most part, Christians, due to their ignorance, which is the result of their hard uh, heart or stiff neck, they fulfill God's role, not theirs. It's easier for them to fulfill God's role. If God says, you need to seek my kingdom in my righteousness and I will take care of everything else, then they begin to take care of everything else instead of seeking God. They begin to fulfill God's role. And we will remember, whether we're ignorant or not ignorant, when we attempt to fulfill God's role, we place ourselves in God's position. We place ourselves as God or present ourselves as God as the cherubim did. He thought to present himself as God and he immediately was destroyed because he thought about it. <clears throat> but here people constantly fulfill God's role and at the same time refuse to fulfill their own role. And for this purpose, just as studying our lot in the previous names of God, we are called uh, to study a series of questions. What characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What purpose, as it relates to achieving our salvation, is our inherited lot called to fulfill in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What price needs to be paid to provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel? into which we can or where we can hide and by what results do we determine that God truly is our rock of Israel as it relates to achieving our calling not having clear and exhaustive responsive to these questions which we can and are able to receive by being instructed in the faith within the strict order in which the body of Christ functions 
We will not have any ability to turn our silver to profit, which is the virtue of the guarantee of salvation that we have. We will not have the opportunity to grow from the seed of justification, the fruit of righteousness, because uh, the soil of our heart will not be good for this good seed. And this means that without strict and voluntary obedience to the preached word of the man that possesses the power of a father from God, and his helpers, we will have absolutely no opportunity to receive profit as the fruit of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have turned so we can profit. As it is written, for all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 Apostle Paul says that not one of the promises of God is able to be obtained, received, without the people that have the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets, apostles. With that, we need to consider that if we will be studying our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, if we will be studying its power independent of the faith of our heart and not as the confession of our mouth, then we will immediately be going in the wrong direction because God, in His powerful and unchanging names, is the lot of inheritance only within the boundaries of the spirit, soul, and body of each person that belongs to the category of the chosen by him remnant. And before receiving the right, the right to the power to confess your inherited lot in the name of God, Rock, as the component of the faith of your heart, it is necessary to be clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ, and the soil of your heart prepared to receive the seed of the planted word, as well as grow this seed, so it can grow <clears throat> or so that it can show its power in the fruit of righteousness that is demonstrated in justice, where we are to condemn the old man with his deeds and thrust him out from within our body. We will remember that only a person that thirsts to hear the word of God invests time to this word, lives by this word, abides in this word, and the word of God abides in him, will be able to continue to stand in battle against the ancient serpent and escape deceptive nets of the devil so he can inherit salvation of this body by the redemption of Christ. When today's uh, time is so fearful, when information is pouring as waterfalls and all this information is the that of Antichrist, the haters of Christ, who perverts the truth, perverts the scriptures, who keep adding and uh, interpreting it with their own mind, the attempt to even interpret with the mind, is the attempt to, uh, you're saying you're God, because it's not possible with your mind to just interpret scriptures as they are. To interpret scripture, you need the mind of Christ, and you need delegation for that. And God has made it that in the church, he doesn't do give it to everyone in general. In the churches, he gives it to one person. If I would say right now that, if I would have said this in a different church, then they would have crucified me as a heretic immediately. Without a question, they would have done that. Only one and no one, nobody else? I don't mean myself. I mean God's uh, structure. God places in churches one person to whom he gives his information. And in his spirit, when people are obedient to the truth, God gives to them and their heart begins understanding. They almost feel like when they hear this word, that this word is being revealed to them personally, and the reason for that is because they have acknowledged this order 
uh, that is in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, there's one head, that's Christ. It's not a brotherly council or group. It's a pastor of a church. And that's it. That's the law of God. And when you hear this, it may be beautiful music, but for them it's something terrible. And that's unfortunate, and that is our glory here. And that's our salvation, our hope. We have already studied the essence of the first two questions and stopped to study question three, which is linked to the condition that when fulfilled gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to lead us into the inherited lot that is contained in the name rock of Israel. We already studied seven of the components of the price providing God with the right to be our rock and have been studying the eighth component. The component of the price that gives God the proper foundation to be our rock of Israel consists in our decision and our ability to hide from the Philistines in the cleft of the rock of Edom. Of course, this was a a literal rock, but we are studying it as a living rock in where we need to or where we need to hide ourselves. We have been studying the symbol with all of its characters within the temple of our body in the events that occurred with Samson after the Philistines burned his wife and her father with fire. Samson said to them, since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you and after that I will cease. So he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock of Edom, Judges 15.7.8. When he attacks their hip and thigh, that means making them incapable of walking, symbolically, a person, he'll have nothing to rely upon. The hips and thighs uh, are broken, they're not able to walk. By studying Samson within the temple of our body, we have been studying our new person that is born from the seed of the word of truth. The name Samson in Hebrew means son or son-like, which indicates the fact that his name bore the meaning that pertains to our birth from the seed of the word of truth, which is a light of life that the darkness cannot overtake. Understandably, it is not referring to the physical sun, but about the sun that demonstrates itself within our heart in holy truth and the light of truth that contains eternal life. For the Lord God is a, sh- is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 84:11. A more complete version of the name Samson presents the quality and origin of our new person. It contains a more broad, great, and destiny-impacting meaning for for us. Samson is born from the sun, belonging to the sun, representing the interests of the sun, fulfilling the functions of the sun. In the name Samson, we are studying the purpose of our sacred person, who for our soul and for our body is the sun that carries the light of life. And so our new person is called to bring life, bring life into our body, into our soul, as the sun brings life to all that is on earth, to the plants, to animals, to people, uh, remove the sun, everything will be gone. The purpose of our sacred person is well illustrated in the first chapter of the book of Genesis. We see it in the purpose of the great light that is created by God in the fourth day, also in the smaller light and the stars as well. I shall remind us that 
the small light is the symbol of our renewed mind. The bigger light is the uh, intelligent or abilities of our spirit, which is the mind of Christ. And the stars are God's promises. That's the countless number of stars. And so when we look at these promises, then we see the fruit of our spirit what we bear, what needs to come from us. As Adam looked, or Abraham looked, as uh, on the stars and the children he didn't have, and he proclaimed the non-existent as existent, we take the promises of God that belong to us by right uh, as an inheritance from a father, and we begin to proclaim them as existing. God accounts this to us as righteousness, and we need to not move our eyes away from those stars. So we understand what God has done for us, who He is for us, who we are to Him. Therefore, what purpose? And so the purpose, as we said, of our sacred person is well illustrated in the first chapter. And so uh, the Son in the same uh purpose is accomplished by our spirit. Therefore, the symbol of the uncircumcised Philistines within the temple of our body are unclean thoughts and corrupt desires that is supported by the power of the governing sin, who is our old person, who is a programmable system of the ancient serpent, whom we received as an inheritance genetically because of the sinful life of our fathers in the flesh. As David said, I was uh, brought forth in iniquity. So you not think that from the flesh uh, is born flesh, and spirit bears what is of the spirit. The Philistines out of our body are the category of men of the flesh that are enemies of all that comes from the spirit of God and consequently are also the enemies of warriors in prayer. The cleft of the rock, Edom, within the temple of our body where Samson hid from the wrath of the uncircumcised Philistines, which are our unclean thoughts and corrupt desires, symbolizes a stronghold in the name of God, Rock, that is within our heart, in the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ. The cleft of the rock Edom means durable or solid and long-lasting or long-lived. By using the truth that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ, we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law, so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected, and because of this we have received independence from our nation, from the house of our Father, and from our fleshly desires, with its uncircumcised thoughts and lusts. At this time Israel was given by God into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years because they abandoned God and began doing evil in His sight. And when the time of vengeance was coming to an end, where God quenched the hunger and thirst of His holiness, God gave Israel a judge, Samson, who was called by God to save them from the Philistines. When God punishes, He always uh, sets a, a time span. It never goes longer uh, than a certain time. He, it's not that I will punish you until you fix yourself. He punishes and he says, this is how much time you will be punished. And even if a person uh, came to his senses, that doesn't mean you will immediately be freed from the punishment. You need to bear the punishment and uh, uh, wait for it. As Daniel had counted, 
by the book of Jeremiah, if you remember, 70 years had passed. He counted the years, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that prophecy. He, in fasting and prayer, began to pray to God that the Lord return Israel from slavery. And as soon as he began praying, God responded to his prayer. Why? Because he understood that he can pray. Why didn't he pray about this previously? He, he didn't pray for this pre, uh, earlier, but when 70 years was fulfilled, he began praying because God always appoints a specific amount of time. Because you did this, you will, for this many years, this many days, or so and so forth. This is symbolically, of course, we're talking here how God does things, how he behaves with his nation to save them. Because the punishment of God is given for one purpose, to save the nation, to bring them to repentance so that they come to their senses. Because when he delivers a person immediately, he will not come to his senses. But as soon as he drinks the cup in full, uh, these Philistines, and he will then understand and he will not ever claim for himself victory, but he or she would will say, no, it is the Lord only. I would never have been able to. The events that follow that happened with Samson literally discourage and puzzle or confuse every person that is in the flesh. When he begins to make a conclusion that Samson, these people of, of the flesh make conclusions that Samson did not act according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, but was led by the lusts of his flesh as a man. That's how they see Samson. And they say, don't be a Samson. Forgetting that everything Samson did, he did, being inspired by the Holy Spirit. He did everything inspired by the Holy Spirit. We need to keep in mind that if Samson, as our new person, loses the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit, he immediately and forever will lose his virtue as a Nazarite, where the power of the resurrection of Christ dwells. We stopped in the previous service on the following, and that the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahane Dan between Zora and Eshtual, Judge 13.25, Judges 13.25. Studying the given phrase, we've noted that when our Samson, as our new person, when grown into full measure of growth in Christ, received the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of his life, which allows him to be led by the Holy Spirit so he can confirm his origin in God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are sons of God, Romans 8.14. The Holy Spirit began working in him, in Samson, in the camp of Dan, between Zorah and Eshtal. It was symbolic here that God began to work in his body. He began to work in him. Furthermore, it is necessary for us to understand within the actions of Samson, representing within our mortal body, the goals of God and the guidance of God when it comes to our body, that we're talking about the actions of Samson. This, These were the goals and guidance of God when it came to our body, where the Philistines live, who are our uncircumcised thoughts and desires. We need to simultaneously study our new person in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus within our new person as one whole and undivided thing while pursuing one goal that is placed by God, where the sovereign rights in the relationship between God and man and man with God are preserved. When we are concealed in Christ, in the cleft of the rock Edom, we provide the Holy Spirit with the foundation he needs to pre, uh, present our rights before God. When we are in him, we give him the right foundation to present our rights before God, 
a right to the unsearchable inheritance of Christ and to carry responsibility for us before God. Concealing Christ in ourselves, we give the Holy Spirit the right foundation to clothe us with His power so that we can present God's rights to rule over our body and carry responsibility before God for presenting His interests within our bodies. Therefore, every time we are talking about the purpose of our new person that lives within our earthly body, we will not forget that it is He that presents the qualities and purpose of a Nazarite of Christ within our mortal body, and that His literal calling is the laid upon Him by God Messiah, the the mission to destroy the stronghold of death within our earthly body and to erect the stronghold of life in its place within our body, and simultaneously with the erection of the stronghold of life within our bodies, the mission of our new person consists in clothing our body with himself into the resurrection of Christ. The name Samson in Hebrew means son or son-like, which indicates the fact that his name bore the meaning that pertains to our birth from the seed of the word of truth, which is a light of life that the darkness cannot overtake. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, Psalm 84.11. Looking at the meaning contained in the name Samson, we have been studying our sacred person. Therefore, what purpose is the created by God's Son called to fulfill for the earth? It is the very same purpose that our sacred person that is born from from the seed of the word of truth, born from God, is called to fulfill for our earthly body. The events that have occurred in the life of Samson's parents, as well as the life and death of Samson himself, are the calling of our sacred person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. The birth of Samson and his calling to be a Nazarite from the womb of his mother to save Israel from the Philistines was foretold to the wife of Manoah, whose whose womb God had closed and she was barren. The name of Samson's father Manoah in Hebrew means a place of rest, which indicates the place of the Sabbath peace where God finds his rest. Looking at Manoah within our earthly body, we understand that this is our proper relationship with the person that has the anointing of a father from God that carries responsibility for us before God within the body of Christ. Looking at Samson's mother within our body, we understand that this is the body of Christ, which is the wife, the bride of the Lamb, which is a mother to a all and our membership to the body of Christ, which is the Church of Christ. We also note that we can receive all the revelations of God in the format of His promises exclusively within the body of Christ, which, as we know, is the chosen by God remnant. Looking at the Israelite land that is being governed by the Philistines is our mortal body that is redeemed by God and about which God has said that He cares for it, and His eyes are always on or upon our body from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Considering that the name of Israel means warrior in prayer, the Israelites within the temple of our body are prayer words that are concealed within our heart in the format of the faith of God, giving us the ability to be warriors in prayer in order to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. And out of our body, the Israelites are the wife, the bride of the Lamb, that is the chosen by God remnant, that is clothed into the virtue of a warrior in prayer. We need to also understand that the Israelites that began doing evil before God's eyes lost <clears throat> their right to be called Israelites as warriors in prayer. Therefore, we will look at the beginning words of the studied by us event, which is called to serve as a price of sanctification for us, giving us the right to the power to inherit our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, from which we can conclude 
that again the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. We need to note that the measure of vengeance was to sanctify the nation of Israel, where God gave warriors in prayer the opportunity to separate themselves from those Israelites that called themselves warriors in prayer but were not so. And for this punishment to be an opportunity for the sons of Israel to sanctify themselves, it was necessary for God to bring forth a person as a judge of Israel, by whom he will perform the given nature of sanctification among the sons of Israel. We note that God did not search for a group of people that were united and dedicated to God. God searched for one person, specifically appointed by Him before the creation of the world that would be able to allow the Holy Spirit to clothe Him with the authority of a Father from God, to someone who would stand in the breach, so that He can perform the given nature of sanctification through Him, for which He had allocated 40 years. We can conclude that the symbol of 40 years of the sanctification we are studying where God put the sons of Israel into the hands of the Philistines is a nature of sanctification that is called to prepare us for meeting the Lord in the air by destroying within our mortal body the stronghold of death so that we can then erect the stronghold of life within our bodies. It is this nature of sanctification that is the price which provides the Holy Spirit with the proper foundation to lead us into the waiting for us inherited Lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. Samson, that hid in the cave of the rock Edom, and the one we are studying in the form of our sacred person, belongs to this very pleiad of Nazarites, and the birth and purpose of which was foretold before they were conceived in the wombs of their mothers. In Scripture, the glorious pleiad of Nazarites is presented to us for one reason, so that we can get to know and see within their virtue, <coughs> in their calling, in their purpose, first, who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are to God in Christ Jesus, and what glorious purpose we have in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> About each one of us, God also, just like the presented in Scripture Nazarites, has foretold our purpose and our calling, but not before we were conceived in the womb, but before the creation of the world. Considering that God, in His purpose for each of us, He depends on the measure of collaboration of our faith with the faith of God, we conclude that our sacred person is called to contain all of the component virtues of each Nazarite from the time they were in the womb of their mothers, and that every component is, a, is our choice or decision for which we are personally carrying responsibility before God. And the greater the measure of our sanctification, the greater will be the measure of our dedication, which will give God the proper foundation to use us in His service in accordance with the measure of our dedication. And so after the angel of the Lord appeared to the wife of Manoah and told her that she will bear a son and that he will be a Nazarite from the womb of his mother, this woman went and told her husband everything. In this part of the re reiteration, we see again the demonstration of the unchanging order of the kingdom of heaven that is within the body of Christ in the form of the wife of Manoah, that God reveals himself and his promises to a person that carries responsibility for the body of Christ, in this case Manoah, within the body of Christ and by the body of Christ. God revealed to all prophets, all apostles, revelations only because they were a part of the body of Christ and re He revealed it through the body and in the body.
Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and a cedar trees with masons and carpenters to build him a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. Then David took more wives in Jerusalem, and David begot more sons and daughters. 1 Chronicles 14, 1-3 It is important and necessary to God that the man that carries responsibility before him for his kingdom and the temple of his body here on earth, that he have a clear understanding about the responsibility of how he needs to behave when it comes to his oath promises that are called to deliver our body from the Philistines in order to erect within our body the stronghold of life in the form of the kingdom of heaven. For Manoah to confirm the given promise where God has promised to deliver the sons of Israel from the Philistines, it was necessary for him to bring an offering of praise to the Lord in the form of the prepared goat and bread offering that God allowed him to do. Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Psalm 50, 14, 15. We need to understand that thanksgiving that is brought forth to God in the offering of praise for the given by Him promise that is ready to be revealed in the last times transforms it from the format of a seed into the format of fruit. When we begin to thank God for this promise, then it transforms it from seed to fruit. Therefore, in this part, of the reiteration, we paid attention to the concluding phrase, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at or in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol, which indicates the fact that while Samson did not yet become a perfect man by growing into the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, he was not able to be led by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, all of the next works of Samson is to be looked at as obedience of his faith to the faith of God. And so after the Spirit of the Lord began working in Samson in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol, and the first that the Holy Spirit did is lead Samson to Timnah. Zorah and Eshtal are the main cities within the boundaries or borders of the tribe of Dan. They border between the lots of Judah. This is where Samson lived or the place where he was born. Timnah is a city in the land of the tribe of Judah that was overtaken by the Philistines. It didn't belong to the tribe of Dan. It was the tribe of Judah that was taken over by the Philistines, Timnah. But the Spirit of God, after the work that he did between Zor and Eshtol, he then leads him there into the tribe of Judah, to that city that the Philistines overtook. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. <clears throat> now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no women among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, <clears throat> Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. It was of the Lord. He's being led by the Holy Spirit, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Judges 14, 1 through 4. The first thing that I want to pay attention to is that before the Holy Spirit led Samson to Timnah, which is in the territory of the tribe of Judah, but was overtaken by the Philistines, the Holy Spirit began working in Samson within the tribe of Dan, within 
his own tribe that was between Zora and Eshtol. The essence of this act consisted in the sanctification of the tribe of Dan between Zora and Eshtol, which indicates the fact that the tribe of Dan in the same in some way had sinned and broke their covenant with God. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit would not have a reason to work in the camp of Dan. He would have immediately led Samson to Timnah. According to the phrase, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtuol, he concluded, or we conclude, that there was a conflict between the inhabitants of Zorah and the inhabitants of Eshtol, where one side considered something to be sinful in their service to God, and the other side did not consider it to be a sin. For example, periodically, when the sons of Israel went out to war against their enemy, the Lord used His prophets, commanding them to complete a, a census of the nation, which is a sanctification. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up, why do you lie, the, lie thus on your face? Israel had sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of their cursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also been um, among their also put things among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their back before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. And so when a person makes decisions for himself that don't want to follow God's law but determine what they should follow or not uh, against God, they no longer are governing in their own body. They don't control their body. Or the Lord, he's not re he hasn't redeemed their body. He hasn't purchased them from uh, slavery then because he is, he, he's has purchased us from slavery, but when a person understands this, he can't then do whatever he wants with his body after that. His body is holy, sanctified, the holiness of the Lord. And so they, uh, some of the cursed things and, ha and they have taken have both stolen and deceived, therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before the enemies, be because they have become doomed to destruction, neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the curse from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus does, says the Lord God of Israel. Illnesses, lusts, fears, the old person, all this, cleanse yourself. Joshua 7, 10 through 13. According to this place of scripture, before finding reasons to get revenge against the Philistines living out of our body that are the unclean and lawless men that perform division between God and his nation, it is necessary to deal with the Philistines that live within our body, which are our unclean thoughts and our unclean inspirations that are being prompted by our old person. From this we conclude that as soon as the Holy Spirit finished the work of sanctification between Zorah and Eshtol using Samson, he led Samson to Timnah, which belonged to the tribe of Judah, that the uncircumcised Philistines took control by, of by war. <coughs> and so what was happening in the body, that's between Zor and Eshtol, that's what's happening in the body. And now that we have sanctified, we can ourselves from within, now we can sanctify outwardly. Our calling is not just in our body, but outside our body as well. <coughs> and so in the body, the stronghold of life is erected, but we need to clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. This is what it is to go to the tribe of Judah. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now 
To his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father and his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hand and went along. Eating when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Judges 14.5-9 Those people who work with bees, they know how clean bees are. They kill any kind of uh, infection, anything that, uh, anything dead, it's very sterilized and clean where they uh, have their hive. They find either uh, a hole in a tree or they or, or they find a, a, a rock or between a space between two rocks and there they completely cover everything with wax they uh, cover everything they just leave one opening as a door and there there are guards that stand guard bees so that nobody else come in and there they sterilize the entire hive but here this is a, a carcass of an animal a bee would never ever come near to it but here it's saying a swarm of bees and if it's not enough they already have made uh, they have honeycombs in there also already the phrase so Samson went down to Timna with his father and mother speaks of the fact that Samson's parents although they did not understand the actions of their son being inspired by the Holy Spirit they agreed with him as they saw that this was from the Lord according to the given concept we conclude that any service we perform within the church of saints that is not done under the patronage of the man that is clothed into the authority of a father from God will be illegal and illegitimate he went together with Manoah, with his father. The next event that is called to take place within our body is him coming to the vineyards of Timnah. This was quite a significant moment in Samson's calling, who represents our new person. This young lion that roaring against him went out to Samson symbolizes governing sin within our body in the form of our old person, whom Samson, as a righteous man, tore apart as you would tear apart a young goat. The vineyards of Timna symbolize the law that condemns sin. It is upon this law that the old man relies, and he, as a young roaring lion, uses the law to govern or control the sons of Israel. As it is written, the strength of sin is the law. 1 Corinthians 15.56 In nature, the male lion does not roar without reason. Roaring, they pronounce their rights to possess their territory. I've seen a lot of the uh, documentaries of these animals and people who study them. They say the roaring that sometimes it's up to 10 kilometers, you can hear that roar. And at this time, all the animals, they're uh, trembling from this noise. They understand this is the territory of this king. And when we are near them and we study, there's literally hair stand up on the body uh, because it's so powerful. And he doesn't just roar. Uh, to roar, you, you need a lot of energy. 
in order to roar the way they do. They have a very special uh, way of breathing and, and lungs and throat that is able to roar the way they do. Therefore, when Apostle Peter spoke about our adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, he meant that by roaring, the devil pronounces his rights over us. 1 Peter 5, 8-10 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He is trying to pronounce his rights over you, that you are under my control, you can't leave me, I'm your king, I'm your king over you. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. This growl will bring forth suffering but you need to resist him steadfast in the faith and to resist that means to overcome suffering that happens with your brothers also in the world but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while perfect establish strengthen and settle you According to the given place of scripture, the roar of the devil in the form of our old man with his deeds happens through different forms of suffering that we are called to resist with a sure faith where we are called to count ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the non-existent as existent. And that's the non-existent stronghold of life that's within our body as already existing. To tear apart the roaring lion as you would a young goat means to become free of the power of governing sin within your body so we become slaves of righteousness and receive the ability to bear fruits of holiness, which is called to be the price, giving us the power to the right to enter our lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23 Until a person is not freed from re- governing sin, dying for the law, by the law, where he dies for his nation, the house of his father, and for his destructive desires, he will not be able to bear fruits of holiness. He will not be able to be righteous to tear apart this lion. Samson tearing apart the roaring lion that came out to meet him as you would tear apart a young goat. This lion as our old person, when Samson approached the vineyards of Timnah, once belonging to the tribe of Judah, Samson did not say anything about this to his father and mother. In other words, he didn't immediately begin to testify in his church about the fact that he bound the power of the old man that was over his body and being inspired by the Holy Spirit after a couple of days when he went to get the betrothed to him wife, he went aside to see the carcass of the lion and there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. Bees is a group that will never make a random uh, carcass its dwelling place. The location of a beehive symbolizes purity and holiness. In nature, bees build their hive in a tree or cleft of a rock, as we mentioned. Bees thoroughly clean the inside of their hives from any trash or anything dead and in this way separate it from the outer world with wax that they produce from the previously produced by them honey. 
First, a dwelling place for a swarm of bees within the carcass of a lion representing our body is truly a supernatural testimony within our spirit about the erection of the stronghold of life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body. That is what this swarm of bees is in this carcass. Second, a colony of swarm of bees within the carcass of a lion is such a testimony within our body, which is called to be for us a guarantee of our rapture, to meet the Lord in the air. By faith, Enoch was taken away so he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 5, 6. The fact of such a testimony within a person is the exact reason for why Samson, who represents the image of our sacred person, didn't tell his father or mother anything at the time. As it is written, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give gave him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except the one who receives it. Revelations 2.17 He who has an ear to hear and one that hears what the Spirit says in the churches is the way to victory over the Philistines, who is supported by governing sin in the form of our old person, and this victory is called to happen by the way of confessing the faith of God that abides within your heart, in inherit the inherited promises to possess the land that is our body. He who overcomes is a person that throws down or subverts the power of the old person within his body by confessing the faith of God that he received in the broken tablets of the covenant where he by the law died for the law so that he can live for the one that died and resurrected in the new tablets of the covenant. To eat honey from the carcass of the lion is the right to eat the sacred manna that is given to an overcomer in the form of the promise that belongs to the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ here on earth. The white stone that is given to the one who overcame the roaring lion, that is his old person within the boundaries of the vineyard of Timnah, is a symbol of linen that is white and clean, which is a seal of righteousness, presenting the royal rod of our mouth. The new name that is written upon this white stone that no one knows except for the one that receives it, that is given to an overcomer of a roaring lion within his body, this is fruit in the testimony of the born by us Methuselah, who is the guarantee that we will meet the Lord in the air. Therefore, a swarm of bees within the carcass of the lion, within the entrails of our mortal body, is the sign of the glorious example, the erection of the stronghold of life and the place of the stronghold of death within our body. We need to keep in mind that subverting the power of the old man within our body as the roaring lion, Samson, as our sacred person, did not yet liberate his body as Timnah from the Philistines that lived in it. Inside, yes, but outside, no. Tearing apart the young roaring lion, as he would a small goat within the boundaries of the vineyard of Timnah, Samson received the ability to confront the Philistines that inhabited Timnah, who were supported by the power of governing sin as <clears throat> our old person. Therefore, the image of the following events in the life of Samson, who represents our new person, will present the spiritual strategy of the deliverance of our body from the Philistines, who represent our unclean thoughts and desires that is clothed into religious good work by the means of which they are trying to keep their dominance over us within our body.
Judges 14, 10 through 17. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there for a young men used to do so and it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him then samson said to them let me pose a riddle to you if you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast then i will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing and this is expensive garments 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, Pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the eater, the one that eats flesh, he himself has become food, came something to eat. And out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they could days they could not explain the riddle, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother, so sh should I explain it to you? Now she had wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted, and it happened on the seventh day that he told her because because she pressed him so much then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people so the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion and he said to them if you had not plowed with my heifer you would not have solved my riddle then the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men took their apparel and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle so his anger was aroused and he went back up to his father's house and Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man Judges 14, 10 through 20. Before we continue to study the given event in the life of Samson, we need to pay attention to one important detail, and that is that Samson, being the judge of Israel, belonged to the group of the ruling class. Furthermore, his clothing and image corresponded to that of a prince from a no noble family. Due to this fact, this betrothal included all of the customs that marked his dignitary, as well as the laws that belonged to his nation. Consider that some of the customs matched the customs of the Philistines and in part the customs of matrimony based upon which you betroth your son so is to be done by a father or a person who is the head of the house of the father. For example, Abraham had sent his head of house to find a wife for his son Isaac. So his father went down to the woman and Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. They saw his that he was wealthy and they brought 30 companions to those noblemen, Philistines, Judges 14, 10, 11. In the given situation, we see some exceptions from the general rules. The Samson, uh, Samson's father didn't come to the parents of the woman that Samson had chosen, but to the woman herself. Typically, the parents would come come not to the woman, but to the parents, and parents with parents would, would 
would speak. And to understand the reason for why Manoah, the father of Samson, ignored the father of his mother, or the father of his of this woman, and directly came to her instead, she was the daughter from the Philistine nation. We need to know what function do the parents of this woman play within our body? What function does this woman herself play within our body, whom Manoah betrothed to his son, Samson. We will first remember that Manoah, the father of Samson, presents within our body the unification of two formats of wisdom. A person who is anointed by God and these two formats of wisdom, Thummim, which is the truth of the law of commandments, and Urim, that is the individual Holy Spirit that reveals the mystery that is contained in the law of commandments. Therefore, according to the statement of Scripture, the origin of Samson as our sacred person that lives within our body is the result of our being born from the preached to us word of truth. James 1.18, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And the original says, so we would be, uh, we would rule over the creation that he, and so first fruits means that we would rule. And out of our body, Manoah, the father of Samson, represents within the body of Christ, which is the temple of God. He represents a person that is clothed into the authority of a father from God. In us, he is wisdom. He is the format of wisdom, the word of God, Holy Spirit, and out of the body, the person who is delegated a father from God. Before the betrothal, the Philistine father of the wife of Samson, this is before the betrothal, he represents within our body the symbol of the wiser intelligent abilities of our soul, supported by the power of governing sin as our old person. This is before the betrothal. For that simple reason that our soul had not yet been submerged into the baptism into the death of the Lord Jesus. However, at the time of betrothal, governing sin as our old person that has come out to meet us within the boundaries of the vineyard of Timnah as the young roaring lion had already been torn apart by us as a young goat. As a result of this fact, the intelligent or rational aspect of our soul has lost its power over our body, giving way to the power of the Thummim and Urim that abides within our sacred person as Samson. The wife of Samson, the Philistine, presents within our body the symbol of our emotional aspect, that due to the fact that governing sin within our body, as the roaring lion has been torn apart as a young goat, has now been put under the governance of our sacred person. Our emotions have now been put under the governance of our sacred person, under our control. And so in this way we need to understand who she is, the wife of Samson within our body. She is our soul, but one that has not yet been crucified. But when we have torn apart the lion as a young goat, we begin to take control of our soul. We have received it, reobtained it. It now becomes our wife symbolically because we now gov- govern over, over our soul. We have control over her. What happens next? In order to save our soul, it is necessary that she die our soul, which is why she was burned with fire. The Philistines burned her. This was all from the Lord. They burned her. This is how our soul is submerged into death. God takes our soul 
and together with these Philistines, with everything, and we are submerged into the death. It's interesting that our spirit also submerges. We don't see Samson himself, but but considering that husband and wife are one, then when our soul is submerged, our spirit also is there. And so in the wife of Samson, we'll study this further in the next services, uh, We, she is our soul, and in all of these characters, we will see these wonderful uh, symbols where that God will show. And this is so that we see the full picture of what God does at the door of our hope, how He intends to deliver us, redeem us, how He's going to do this, what He's going to uh, use He's going to use our mind, the members of our body, what's going to happen next. And this is the blessed essence, and I want to finish on that today because further we will be talking about other principles, and I won't be able to open all of them up within the time that remains. Let us now bend our knees and our heads, and we will pray. And may the Lord bless us in this prayer. We will thank God for the word that we were able to receive today where God has shown us in what way He will deliver our body from the Philistines, from the lusts, from the passions. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we worship before you and we thank you for your mercy and for your goodness that you have presented to us in your word, in your revelations, where we have seen ourselves as Samson, by whom you have begun to work with your Holy Spirit. You use him, and we are led by the Holy Spirit, and we receive confirmation that we are your children. Because we are led by your Holy Spirit, our sonhood has been confirmed and we thank you for this confirmation that we have not lost our sonhood but it's the opposite we have confirmed it may your inheritance be blessed that hears this word and accepts this word because as soon as we accept this truth it becomes our own and when we begin to confess it then we confirm it by the confessions of our mouth because this is the component of our faith. We thank you that this is your goal, this is your will and your goal and your will becomes our goal and our will. This is why we have denied our own will for the sake of your will because your will is for us is good using our will independent from yours we will never be able to save ourselves and we will never be able to uh, be changed or transformed into your image when we deny our will for the sake of your will we're able to save our soul and adopt our body by the redemption of Christ allow us to understand this every one of us to understand this deep inside of ourselves and confess before your face because what we confess is the faith of our heart begins to happen if we don't confess then we will lose that word, that promise that we have received from you. We thank you for these great and glorious promises that give us the ability to cover in you as our stronghold. And this is for the reason that our 
heart has become a stronghold for you. When we have sanctified ourselves, our heart began became your stronghold. And because of this, you received the proper grounds you needed to become our stronghold, our living rock. And so we thank you that in this cleft of the rock, this living cleft of the rock, we can cover from the uncircumcised Philistines. We thank you that we, with the power of your Holy Spirit, are able to break the hips, the knees of the Philistines so that they we could take our, their garments from them, their justification, because the garments of man in your word is righteousness. And we thank you that you've clothed us with pure and white linens, which are the fruit of righteousness that we have grown in the Eden of our heart and the seed of from the seed of justification we thank you that we are justified by the gift of grace and we perform righteousness when we count ourselves dead to sin living for you and when we proclaim that not existent stronghold of that hope the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ as existent then you count this as righteousness to us we thank you that you see us as perfect in Jesus Christ because we behave accordingly according to how you behave you walk in the light of your words and you are vigilant in the temple of our body over those promises and words and so we walk also in the light of your words and we also are demonstrating your perfection in your justice. And we eliminate the unclean Philistines within our body and out of our body, breaking relations with any people that are resisting your truth or hate your truth or have abandoned their church and have lost their right to sonhood. And not just the right to sonhood, they lost the right to your offering to be justified. They lost their justification. Millions of Christians, so-called Christians, are in terrible situations because this was their personal choice. They have refused to be students. They all wanted to be teachers. And so you rejected them in your anger. But you have received those who, although they have weaknesses, they're falling, the terror and horror that they are in, but because they have agreed to be your students and to learn, you began to pull them out of the ruins, the ruins of their passions and lusts that are in their personal bodies, I believe that all of those who hear these words, who accept these words, who count themselves dead to sin, living for you, and confess it, will, at one point, they will tear apart that lion as a goat in their body, and the old man will not be able to roar any longer or state his own rights over our bodies as his own. Because we have began to meditate and think about the fact that our bodies are your belonging. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we began to hallow our bodies, our souls. 
May your inheritance understand this and be blessed before you, and may in the body of your people all lust, all unclean desires, all kinds of uncircumcised thoughts be destroyed, destroyed, and all result of illness and weakness that comes from this, may it be destroyed. May their youth and health return to them that stronghold of incorruption may it be upon each one of us and be fulfilled upon us amen our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And so now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen